This is a good feeling. I, I, welcome back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pray and we'll uh, dive into the scripture. I'm, I'm excited uh, for what the Lord wants to do this morning because I believe that uh, the best is in front of us. So Father God, we just come before you. We thank you so much uh, for your presence. God, I thank you, God, for the family of God and the ability to enjoy the family of God. And Lord, I pray that as I communicate this morning, God, that you would bring uh, such a clarity about what it is that you want to communicate. But Lord, I pray that, that there be such a grace on this message to not only communicate knowledge, but to, to, um, to just download desire and a craving for you and for your presence. God, we have sung about your presence. And Lord, we, we thank you that you have already come and manifested your presence. But God, I pray for a longing, a craving, an aching in our hearts to host your presence, to abide with you. God, we just give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we've navigated through the last couple of months, it's always interesting um, to, to hear where everybody's at, to, to hear where everybody, how everybody experiences the various dynamics we've had, you know. Even though we all went through the same thing, we did not go in a way through exactly the same thing. We did not process through it the same way. And so, talking to people and even navigating my own heart, I would say there's been a lot, a lot of really encouraging things that I have heard and a lot of things that have happened. Um, I am very excited because I believe that in all of this crisis and this situation that, that we have discovered what we have been depending upon. We have been discovering who or what we've been trusting in. And as we've been trusting in various things and going through the motions for quite some time, we've encountered a crisis and when everything was shaking, we found out what we've been building on. And the beauty of when you discover what you've been building on, then it allows us the opportunity to make some changes. And so for, for some of you in this room, or maybe online, you were walking with God. You were encouraged. You were spending time with God. You were reading His Word. And your faith was growing. And when this thing happened, it caused you to kind of maybe dig a little deeper. Maybe to press in a little bit more than you've ever pressed in before, or maybe in some time. And out of that place of pressing in, you found that your rock was just as sure as ever, just as secure as ever, and that, that God was there, and He met you there. Others of us, maybe we weren't really in that, you know, fully pursuing God place. Maybe we were, you know, there's a full spectrum of where we could say we have been. Maybe we've been kind of lukewarm, or maybe we've been completely not really giving God a lot of thought. But this has caused a lot of us to return. This has caused a lot of us to press in. I've heard, you know, some people use the terminology of a virtual revival. We, we, we typically, on a Sunday morning, we typically, you know, would have about 300 people on normal weekends. And we've had weekends where we have over 2,000 people watching the sermon. And it's not just an abundant life thing. It's a worldwide thing. The gospel message has 
uh, penetrated and permeated into places that we had not been before. We're not doing a good job of. It has not been an easy season, but it has been an advancing season. The kingdom of God globally is advancing. Coworkers that would not want to hear about your God and your religion are now saying, can you please pray for me? There's, there's, you know, you, I love the videos where you watch and you see these, 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 these very, very large apartments. You know, I, I would probably call them skyscrapers compared to anything you see in Butte. All over the world. And people are just taking their guitar and they're out in the windowsill and they're just strumming and the neighbors are hearing the worship. And they want to hear the worship because there's a grace on it. Because there's a peace on it. Because there's a presence resting upon that worship. And so we, we have, it's not been all, you know, sunshine and roses, but there is an advancement. There is a marching forward. There is a moving through. When this first happened, I remember reading an article, and they said, when crisis hits, people run to the church. And the question was, is what will people do now that they can't? And we all wanted to know, what is going to happen? But we believed in our God, and we trusted in our God, and God knows how to take a horrible situation and to use it for good. I, I love that song, we're going to see a victory. You know, the battle belongs to the Lord. That is a good song to get just stuck in your head. I've had days over the last month where I'm just, it's just, I don't even know all the words, but that we're going to see a victory. We're going to see a victory. And I just, yes, that's what we're going to see. And so we, we, have, we are, have been blessed, and I know we're not, we are not out of the woods yet, but we are advancing and we're taking steps forward. And so Today, as I was preparing, I felt like the Lord kind of put something in my heart to share with you, because in this time, we can take the next step in the opportunity that God has for us. That you, maybe some habits in our lives have changed. Maybe some thinking in our lives has changed. And what often ha times happens, and I, I, I found this to be true in my own life, is it so easy to seek God in a crisis? And I'm so glad that God is there with me in the crisis. But what do we do when things do turn around? And we can go to the grocery store and life kind of goes back to normal. You know, we go back to that grocery store and it's full of stock shelves. We go back to school we, they're, they're, you know, they talk about the new norm, but there is going to come a time where we settle in and what, what kind of settling is it going to look like for us? Because I know my, my tendency as a person is to be like, oh, life, life is good, I still love God, I still pray, I still whatever, but the intensity to seek God just isn't really there. The intensity to cry out to God, it's like, I'm, I don't really need to seek God right now because everything's good. And so today we have an opportunity to take the next step, to move forward in our faith, to move forward in our relationship with God. And today I want to talk to you about the simple idea of bringing God into the center. Bringing God into the center. And we're going to look at the, a little bit of the life of King David. King David, uh, to kind of set up our story here, King David was... Uh, somewhat recently crowned the king of all Israel. 
And when he was crowned the king of all Israel, the Philistines, when they heard that, they turned the corner and they started saying, all right, we're going to go after David. And so this large, massive attack came from the Philistines. And David, knowing that they are under attack, goes to the stronghold and begins to seek the face of God, begins to seek God for counsel. God, what do I do? God, where do I go? And I I think we all can relate with this because we've all, in the last couple of months, been, God, what do I do? God, what decision do I make? And trying to navigate all these kinds of things. And David inquires of God. I like that word inquire for some reason. Like he inquires, God, what do I do? And God's like, go and attack them. I'm going to give you the victory. David follows God's orders and he goes to a place called Baal, I don't know how to pronounce it, Perizim or whatever. But the big idea is David gets a breakthrough, which is what we sang about today. They didn't know I was preaching on this. But David, he, he bursts through. He goes, the Lord broke through for me. And David got his breakthrough. And that's, that's where we're at. We're getting a breakthrough. We're marching forward. And then the Philistines mustered another attack. And David inquired. I want you to see this. You see, we inquire of God when we recognize the need. So he, in crisis, David inquires again, God, what do I do? And God says, don't attack them head on. Go around behind. Wait until you hear the sound of a marching army in the trees. And when you hear what, I, when you hear what I'm doing, you step into what I'm doing, and I'm going to bring you into that victory. And so David gets a victory, and David gets a victory, and the crisis is averted. So then what's the next thing that we see David doing in this story? You see, I've heard famous people say, I've never prayed so much. People that you wouldn't call, they wouldn't call themselves a Christian are saying, I've never prayed to God so much. They've inquired of God. But we need to move beyond just inquiring of God. We need to move beyond following in God's directions, in a sense, in our dynamics. We need to bring God into the center of our lives, into the center of everything that we do. And so we're going to pick it up in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Now I'm going to look at a, a passage a little bit out of 1 Chronicles, but I'm also going to be turning here pretty soon to 2 Samuel chapter 6, because um, both... Uh, books of the Bible have different elements of the same story. So 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. Then David consulted with the captains. Are you guys ready? I hear pages. I'll give you another moment. I'm not used to having people in the room. This is great. (laughs) All right. Verse 1. 1 Chronicles 13, verse 1. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and Levites who are in their cities and their common lands, that they may gather together to us And let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. Then all the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right 
in the eyes of all the people. So what we see happening in this story is uh, in the Bible there's called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was made kind of in Moses' day. And what it was is it was a, a wooden box that was overlaid with gold. And they had these little uh, rings with these long kind of poles on, going on both sides of it so that people could carry it. And inside of the ark, there were various elements that were a testimony of, of the faithfulness of God, one of which was inside of the ark was the Ten Commandments. And so the ark of God represents, or an actual, and not only symbolized, but was actually where God's presence chose to show up in Old Testament Israel. So while we understand that God is everywhere, God is omnipresent. He is, he's everywhere. If you go to the mountaintops, God is there. If, if you go down to the beach, God is there. You can go to the bar and God is there. God is everywhere. There's no place, excuse me, that God's presence is not. But we understand from Scripture that even though God is everywhere, God manifests His presence in different ways at different times, and in greater manifestations. And so, one, in the Old Testament, there was this ark, and the ark was the throne of God. Everybody say throne. Okay, so it's a throne. So, God sits on the ark. God rests on the ark. God's presence comes upon the ark. I want you to kind of try to track some of the imagery here because it's going to make more sense as we talk. God was everywhere, but God was really in this location. God, his presence, his throne on the earth was like right upon that box. And for roughly 70 years, the people of God had neglected the presence of God. They had prayed to God. They had worshipped God. But God wasn't in the center of the nation. He was just left at somebody's house to be taken care of. And so we see kind of, you know, a family taking care of the ark. Not that there was much to do. But they, they kept an eye on it to make sure it was safe. And so all these years, Saul is king of the nation and it's completely neglected. David, there were priests, there was religious activities going on. It wasn't like people weren't doing the religious stuff, it's just God wasn't in the center of what they were doing. And so we see here, David has become king, he's navigated through a couple of really big battles, and then it's in his heart to put God in the middle of their lives, to put God in the center of the entire nation. You know, and today I was thinking about how I think in all of us there's something inside of us that so longs for God to be in the center of America. There's a longing, God, I want you in the center of our school system. God, I want you in the middle of, of the economy. I want you, God, in the middle of our government. I want you in the middle of, of every 
part of us. We don't want you to be off to the side, God. We want you to be in the center. And I, as I thought about that longing in my own heart for God to be in the center, I thought about how many of us is God at the center of our lives. You might be praying to him. You might be worshiping him. You might be you know, doing a lot of religious things. But when it comes down to it, where is God in your life? Is he the focal point upon which everything else is based around? Or is he the one that we try to get on board with what we're already craving and desiring and longing for? Because you see, where God's presence is, is where God's blessing is. You want God's blessing. Don't, don't be like, oh, I, I don't want God's blessing. That's so self. No, I, I want God's blessing. I don't want there to be any area of my life that does not rest under the presence and the blessing of God. I, we need it. We need it. So let's not pretend like we're super spiritual. It is godly and necessary for us to crave the blessing of God in appropriate ways, of course. If we want God's blessing, we need God's presence. If you and I want our families, our finances, our health, our society, you can go down the line. Our emotions, our state of mind, we need God's manifested presence to come and be with us, to be everything. I know for my, my own self, there have been times where I've, I have run through very hard... I wish I could tell you that I was really godly and I just sought God for all the right reasons. Most of my spiritual growth has come through pain. Most of my spiritual hunger for God has come from me going through hard times. And I'm just so glad that every time God just takes me back again. I am so glad that when I called him, he answers me. Even though I failed him a lot. And I've tried and I want to get my life to the place. This is, this is how I think. I want to get my life to the place where I'm seeking God when times are good. Because maybe I can avoid the bad stuff. <laughs> it's just my theory. It doesn't mean that we'll avoid trials. I know life happens. But the way I see it is, if I can seek God when times are good, maybe, just maybe it'll make things go a little smoother for me. It's a thought. But here's the, the big idea for today. This is an opportune, an opportunity type of moment. I just feel like the Lord was, as I, as I felt like I was trying to seek the heart of God, I feel like this impression in my heart, habits have been broken Thinking has changed. It's a new season. So now, take advantage of the new opportunity. Take advantage. This is your moment. You've been praying for this, and now you've got it. And the Lord is saying to you today, now is the time. You sought me, and I answered you. You wanted counsel, and I gave it to you. You wanted protection? Well, here you are, alive. Now, if you make me the center, you will be so blessed. 
Rachel and I were having a conversation about a week ago, and we were just talking about this simple dynamic. I think Rachel said it. She was really profound at the time. I'll try to say it the right way. She said, if people could watch a movie of what their lives would look like, like, you know, say you're 20 years old. If you could watch a movie of your life that would show the next 20 years, and on one film you would see, this is what happens if you put God at the center. And another one that says, this is what happens if you keep, you know, kind of living for yourself and kind of doing what, what you think is best and kind of going like you've been going. And we watch the video of where they are 20 years later. She goes, everybody would say, I want God, and I want God's will for my life. There is no doubt in my mind. But why is it that before, how do I say this? When we see the end result, we're like, that's what I want. I want the blessing. I want the presence. I want that. And then in the moment, it's just so hard. It's so hard because it's like, God, this feels foolish. I don't want to do this. I don't desire to do this. God, if I do what, if I jump on what you're telling me to do, I could lose everything. And God's like, if you trusted how good I was, you would take my will, my decision, my counsel every time. And that's what the blessing of God is in, is in our lives. To have peace and to have joy. And yes, you will have warfare, but you will overcome. And as you overcome in warfare, your spiritual muscles get stronger. It's not, about, it's not about us avoiding pain. It's about God making us ripped. It's about God... You guys are... What, what just happened? It's, it's about us getting muscular in the spirit. It is about us getting to the point where we so trust God in every trial and every circumstance that we walk differently and we war differently. And so... So this, this is what we have here. I want God's blessing. Then we need God's presence. But I want you to see something that I never saw until this, like a couple days ago. If we want God's presence, where does God's presence rest? On a throne. What I tell you a few minutes ago about the ark? The ark is God's resting place. It is God's throne. Do you want God's presence? God, we want your presence. We want your presence. Come and rest upon us. And God's like, okay, then I come to rule. I've come to be king. I don't just sit on a wussy throne. I rule. I am in charge of what I rest upon. Do you want God's blessing? Then you want God's presence. If you want God's presence, you have to yield to God's right to be in charge. Let that soak in for a moment. The greater your yieldedness, the greater your blessing. We all are in different places in our level of what the Bible calls consecration. Consecration is really our level of surrender. How surrendered you are will determine your level of the presence of God in your life. How yielded and surrendered you are to God will determine the blessing in your life. So, David wants to bring the ark center. 
Because David has a value for the presence and because he's wise enough to know that they need God for blessing. And so I want to turn now to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of, of firwood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. So we know from the Bible that God likes loud cymbals. So we like loud drummers. So, uh, not Jesus, David gathers them together and says, let's do this. And so they are going to bring God into the center of their lives. And so they've got thousands of people. They've got worshipers and instrument people and, and everybody's just this big procession and they're going to the house where God's presence has been resting for a long time and they put it on a cart and this wooden cart with wooden wheels and they're pushing the cart down the road and these two, these two uh, brothers are, are pushing the cart. Everything looks good. They're seeking first God's kingdom. They're seeking first God's house. They're doing everything that we've talked about today. But there's a little bit of a hiccup that we're about to read about. In verse 6, it says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his heir. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So, one minute, celebration, rejoicing, God is good, God is good all the time, we love you God. Next minute, Uzzah is getting barbecued. I mean, he is, he, he is fried by the presence of God. That is a really disturbing story because we're just kind of like, well, God, I mean, was it that big a deal touching the box? I mean, it's just a wooden box. And, and, and not just, he, he didn't just have good, he had good reason to touch the box. He was helping God out. God, God's throne is on a cart. They come to a threshing floor and it's a little bumpy. 
And could you only imagine what's going through his mind as they're pushing the cart? And all of a sudden it's a little, and God's ark, it's a little wobbly. This is the presence of God. This is not a small thing. You don't want to be the guy that breaks God's presence. You don't want to be the guy that breaks God's ark. King, king's not going to be happy. And so he reaches out to help God out. It's a good thing. He had good intentions. And he's just trying to keep God from falling onto the ground and breaking to pieces. And God does not like that. God says, no, you, you can't touch the ark. And so we got people, symbols, life is good, God is good. And then all of a sudden we got a dead guy on the ground. And everybody's just like, oh my crud, what, what just happened? And David, who sang Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, God is so sweet and friendly, I shall not want. You know, like that, that, that. and David has this, this God moment like, God, who the, what, what, what was that all about? And David is angry at God. He is afraid of God and he's angry at God. Because he's like, God, we were trying to do a good thing. I wanted to make you the center. We want you in our lives. Why can't you come into our lives how we want you to come into our lives? You catch what I just said? God, we want you in our lives. We want you to come how we want you to come into our lives. I want you in the center, God, but I want you to do it this way. I'm convicted by myself. I have a strong will. I'm like, oh God, I surrender all, I surrender all, I surrender, until he does what I don't want. And then I'm like, this has been a pruning season for me because I like control. I don't, you guys are like, yeah, everyone's controlled. No, I, 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 I don't like being told to stay in my house. I don't like being bossed around. I'm good at submitting to authority when I like what they're doing. And I, do res- I really appreciate our authority. We, we, we really have had uh, a lot of good things happen because of it. But, but my point is, is, in life, you know, Pastor Tim nailed it last week when he talked about the in-between place. Because I just hate the in-between place. Like, I hate it. It's like, I miss this and I want this, but I'm stuck here. And so we have this warring of the will. We say we're surrendered, but then God allows things to happen that test how surrendered we are. And so we see here how they put God on a cart. And I, I wrestled like last night and all this morning. I'm like, God, what, what the heck does this even mean? What it, you know, Hey guys, the moral of the story is don't put God on a, on a cart. You're like, well, that helps me a lot. I, I'll make sure I don't do that next time. Like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean, God? Do we, do we put you on, on, on carts nowadays? Do we? Okay, what, what are they? And I was, I, was, I was in deep thought in the shower this morning, just crying like, God, you got to give me something or this sermon's not going to be any good. And I'm like, what is the cart? And God said to me, at least I think it was God, but it sounded, didn't sound like me. He said, it's anything that you built. Oh, crud. <laughs> and, I, and, and then I felt like the thought came, like, it's when you want me to ride on what you built. 
and you want to be your way. Yesterday, I was, I was, uh, we've, we've tried to create a new normal in our family over the last month or two where no one leaves the kitchen until the entire kitchen gets cleaned up after dinner. And so, it's, you know, it's been, it's been kind of hard for some people. <laughs> Maybe, me too. No, joking. I was talking about me, though. But I was talking to my kids, and I said, you guys, just wait. When you're adults, you're going to have robots doing all this for you. You're going to have robots washing the dishes. You're going to have robots cleaning the table, cleaning the floor. I mean, we already have some of that stuff. I mean, but it's going to get better. Your kids are just going to, boom, done. And you're going to be like, when I was a kid, we had to wash the dishes. We had to pick up after ourselves. And, and, I, and, and I think the thing is that that's, that's how we roll. I want to build something or buy something that somebody else built so I don't have to do it. I long for the day when the lawn mows itself. My kids are longing for that day right now. I long for the day when they could do it. I'm so happy. I am so happy we are transitioning into this season. I, I, I like things to do it for me. I like it when I take it to the mechanic and they do it for me. But I feel like there's some things that we're building and we're saying, God, I want you to rest on this and I want you to bless it. Rest upon this cart. Bless what I'm doing. I'm starting a business and I, if, but if, and I, want, I want blessings, so I want God's presence. Until there's that shaking. Until there's that wobbling. How many of us could honestly say that in many ways we've been sticking our hands on the ark of God to try to stabilize it? A lot, I, I, I know I have. And it's that control thing. God, do it. Jump on what I'm doing. Do it how I want and I will, I'm going to stabilize God because I want God to do it. No, 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 God, like this. I, I think we can wear ourselves out. I think we probably could say we have worn ourselves out. So we have David, who is angry at God. Maybe you can relate with that. I think we all can relate to disappointment with God. God, why does it matter? If you're a loving God, why would you barbecue somebody? You see, God is like, God doesn't just love us, God is love. The very identity of love is who God is. But the problem comes when we take one aspect of the nature of God and we neglect other aspects of the nature of God. If we, make it, if we focus solely on the love of God, but we neglect the holiness of God, we get all screwed up and out of whack. And we start creating this God that we can take where we want and do how we want. And so, it's a place of humility and really getting into a healthy fear of God where we say, God, I don't like the way you are doing this, 
But I guess that's why you're God. When we start putting God in our box and saying things, well, God wouldn't do this, or I don't think a loving God would do that, or I don't like God this way. I like God, I like this part of God, but not this. We have to take God as he is. Is he God or is he not? And I don't think we as Americans in our current culture fully grasp the holiness of God. We make, it a, we make a big deal that God loves you, God wants to be your buddy, God wants to be your pal, and that's beyond true. But a lot of times we don't focus on, we have a God that is holy, holy, holy. And we don't grasp the fact that he is so holy, you can't, you can't touch him. You cannot touch electricity, full power of God, and not get barbecued. At least not in these earthly bodies. And so we have to be humble like David became. Even though at the moment, in the anger, in the frustration, in the fear, David says, forget it. And he drops it off at Obed-Edom's house. That's what he does. He drops it off at Obed-Edom's house. God, this, following you is just too hard. God, going your way. I tried your way, God. And look what happened. God, I've tried this and I've tried that and I wish I could. But God, I don't know what to do. This is too hard. So David takes it and sets it aside. He doesn't build his life. The man who is a man after God's own heart abandons the presence of God. Abandons the throne of God. And consequentially, abandons the blessing. And so in verse 10, of 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So David drops it off, and Obed-Edom appears to be a Levite. And he and his entire family live under the blessing of God. What part of his life was blessed? Every part. Every part of his life was blessed. Why? Because God's throne was there. Now in verse 12, it's interesting. Now it was told King David saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. So David gives up for about three months and finds out the blessing. And David has to do some soul searching in that moment. What am I willing to do? What am I willing to pay? How can I figure out? There is a huge and great risk in bringing God's presence into Jerusalem, into the center of our nation's capital. There's risk, but there's reward. And so David has to navigate and get beyond his anger with God. David has to navigate beyond his own fear of God. David has to move on from disappointment. And he has to continue to bring God 
into the center because he covets the blessing. And that is God's will for your life and my life, that we would have the presence of God upon us in such a blessing that other people would look at our lives and say, I want that. I want what you have. Your marriage is blessed. Your kids are blessed. Your cars are blessed. Everything you touch turns to gold. Your God makes you look better than you really are, and I want in on this deal. I want a God who blesses me. That, that's God's will for you and for me. For Him to rest upon us and bless us so that other people will become carriers of His presence. And so I want to kind of land this here looking at a, a final portion of Scripture. It's out of First Chronicles uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 12. So 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 12. So David calls everybody together. David looks into things and he discovers that the reason they had problems last time with the ark was because the wrong people were doing it and they were doing it in the wrong way. There is, you can't just worship God how you want we can't just make God fit into how we think he should fit. There is a right way to worship God. There is a better way to serve God. And of course, it's all found in looking at Scripture. How do we know what God is like? How do we know what God wants? How do we know what God is looking for in our lives? The answer is God reveals God has revealed and God is currently revealing what he is like, what he expects, and what he's looking for in our lives. And you would say, well, how does God reveal it? Well, there's many ways God reveals it, but the most concrete way is Scripture. Scripture is history of what God has shown his people, what he expects of people, and so there is a right way to follow him. There's a right way to make him the center. And that requires full-on humility. And so in verse 12, David said to them, to, to, to uh, the priests, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. So we see here, they... Uh, not really the priests, but the Levites, one tribe had a job, and it was their job to carry the presence of God. Well, under the new covenant, the new and better way that we've already spoken about today, 
God's presence rests on his people. So the Levites would hold the pole over their shoulder and they collectively would walk and they would carry the throne of God. God's presence needs to become center stage. But we have to carry it. We carry it. God is everywhere. But God's presence shows up in a greater way upon us. God's presence rests in us, but not only in us. God's presence rests upon us. What does that look like? What does that look like for our lives? We are the people of God. Well, I think that what it first and foremost looks like is full-on surrender. I think it comes down to valuing. Valuing. God, I value the fact that you're with me right now. I honor you. I value rest. And there's just this relationship that wherever I go, whether work or store or out in my yard, I'm carrying the presence of God and in every situation, I'm letting him rule. I'm letting him be in charge. And I'm not looking for the church or other people to do it for me. I'm going to take the responsibility on my shoulders. I think shoulders represent responsibility. It's nobody else's job. Your wife can't do it for you. And some of you wish your wife would stop trying. Your parents can't do it for you. It's your responsibility to carry it. You and I are not weak beggars walking around we are servants of the most high god adopted into royalty carrying the presence of god inside us and him resting upon us and as we surrender to his rule we embrace his presence we will experience his blessing for everybody else to see i want to encourage you as we are transitioning out of this season. Over the last couple of months, it's really been about your hope levels. It's been all about getting your hopes up, having faith, trusting in God, pressing into God, and, 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 and all of that is appropriate. But I believe as we are transitioning out, you are going to do mighty exploits in the name of God. As we transition out of hibernation, as we transition out of quarantine, you are going to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. It's not going to be about Jesus save me, Jesus protect me, Jesus keep me alive. It's going to be like, Jesus make me dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Jesus, let me be your hands. Jesus, let me be your feet. Jesus, if someone needs food, let me be a part of providing. 
God, if somebody needs help with something, let me be the answer. It's going to move from beyond just, yes, Lord, it's just me and Jesus, just me and Jesus, to I am going to serve, and I am going to help, and I am going to release the kingdom, and I'm going to release the presence so that everybody will see the blessing and the presence of God upon my life, and they will want it for themselves. It can't just be about our own family. It can't just be about keeping ourselves safe. It has to be about a greater purpose than survival so you can die later. And I'm not saying being dumb. I'm just saying it's more than living so you die later. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes back, which I'm really hoping kicks in really soon. We need to be wise, but it is time to move forward. It is time to carry it. And it's time to release it. Would you please stand? King Jesus, we have come to give you glory and we have come to bring you praise. We have come to declare our God is mighty. Our God is a strong warrior and you will not be denied. You will touch the hearts of people. You you will reveal yourself to the nations. And God, I pray you would show the world your glory through us. And not only through the people that are in this room or watching online, but God, through the greater body throughout the world, make your people glorious. Make your church holy. Make your church set apart and consecrated with reckless abandonment. God, we surrender. God, we surrender to you. Come and be in charge. Come and be in charge. God, we surrender. Come and be our all in all. Awaken that passion. Awaken that longing. Oh Lord, let us see your presence. Let us even feel your presence. Let us crave you more than we've ever have in our lives. And may this be the turning point where we go from just a Christian who prays to a Christian who's all in. All in, God. Make us dangerous, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.